And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, it's Civilized Barking. Sorry if that game put you to sleep. We'll try to talk you through it. (laughs) One punt. One punt. Zero chance by either defense, and the Browns down three, get a touchdown. Jason, um, whether or not the offense can build and grow from this, whether or not this defense can be saved, whether or not Odell is done for the season, we don't know any of those things, and there will be time to go into all of them. Right now, the Browns really needed to win this game for like 17 different reasons. And I don't want to say miraculously, but they were put away a few times. They just couldn't get a stop, right? And the quarterback who started 0-5, completed his next 20, came back and threw dimes. They won the game. They're 5-2. and two, And there's a hell of a lot to be excited about on that front. Zach, I have no idea what to make of this team. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I'm the one that said after last week, nothing's changed. Just because they got drilled by Pittsburgh, this is still a good team. Nothing's really changed. And you were the one burying them, and now I'm the one going. I would like to see Baker do this against somebody other than Cincinnati. And that's not to take away from what his second half was, because it was terrific. He was awful in the first quarter. And I thought I noticed a change in the play calling in the second quarter, where Stefanski tried to simplify things and just gave them some easy throws, some easy underneath, just pitch, pitch and catch. And he established a rhythm, and he ripped some darts in the second half. Made some the, – the back shoulder throw that he mentioned in the Joku I thought was great. The touchdown pass on the drive. Because it was funny. When Burrow throws the touchdown pass at the end of the first half, I thought, man, that's, the, that's Baker from his rookie year. Where did that guy go? And then, he, and then Baker from his rookie year came back on the first drive of the third quarter. Zach, that throw he made into the end zone was like vintage rookie Baker. And I'm thinking, where has this guy been? And why does this only show up against the Bengals? Why doesn't this show up against anybody else? So I love love the performance. Terrific second half. You know, Stefanski said he didn't like how the positions he was putting Baker in the first quarter. They adjusted in the second quarter. And in the second half, he really took off. But I can't get over the fact that Baker Mayfield has a career passer rating against the Cincinnati Bengals of 111.4. <laughs> and against the rest of the NFL, it's 83.5. You can't ignore that. No. Um, I mean, neither team had a chance, right, uh, defensively. Um, Rashard Higgins, play after play, keeps things going. The Bengals, notoriously um, dumber than they are anything else. They jump off sides. The streak goes on because of that, right? The Browns go down and score. But aggressive – Yet poised, right? The first play of the last drive steps out of a sack and rips one. 
Um, huge, huge. Nothing but nothing but A pluses for keeping your composure. I thought the Bengals managed the last four minutes so well. They score on fourth down. They they kill the time. They, they make the Browns use their last timeouts. They go methodically. They go carefully, but they go sharply because the Browns can't stop anybody. And the Browns come right back. He was 0 for 5 after one quarter, and it was bad. And it was bad. And, and we'll see the lingering effects of all of this. Um, you know, the I'm referring specifically to the injury that occurred by Odell chasing. But just came back, did what he had to do. Only 49 yards at halftime, 297 to, to finish. Five touchdown passes, right? And the ball goes right through Darius Phillips' arms, like right through like he's holding up his hands for a touchdown for an extra point kick. But it's put right there, and somehow DPJ gets both feet in, right? Then falls out of bounds. And they go on, and then, of course, you know, fittingly for this game, even the Hail Mary got further than it should have, and the Browns had the second guy had to knock it down because the first guy didn't. But they win their 5-2, and two, a road division win following a humiliating loss. Every chance to be favored in every game until you get to December and the path to the – because you won this game, found a way, and the David Njoku's, Harrison Bryant's, Rashard Higgins, and Donovan Peoples-Jones saved you, the path to the playoffs is there 19 years. It's going to be snapped. Yeah, uh, the, the mo- I guess the most impressive part to me about this, no Wyatt Teller, no Nick Chubb, Odell leaves early, and on and on it goes. The, the injuries are really piling up. Uh, no Austin Hooper, as you've said. The, the injuries on the offensive side are mounting very quickly. And, and we'll have to see. The early reports on Odell are not good. And we'll have to wait for the MRIs. Stefanski wouldn't, wouldn't really elaborate or wouldn't speculate. But we typically know how these go. And when Ian Rappaport is tweeting about a major knee injury, um, you, you kind of connect, can connect the dots from there. So at, at what point are we going to talk about how much better this offense looks with Richard Higgins than it does Odell? It makes no sense. It defies logic. But I, you have to go by what your eyes show you. And what your eyes show you is Baker feels more comfortable with Richard Higgins than he does with Odell. We have plenty of proof. This offense moved better with Richard Perryman than it did with Odell. And listen, I'm not sitting here saying they don't need Odell. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is someone please explain to me why this offense looks better with Rashard Higgins and Rashard Perryman than it does with Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, that's hard to explain. Um, first of all, my hat's fully off to Rashard Higgins, who three weeks ago was a healthy scratch, who has zero outstanding physical traits. And I keep telling you guys that the more coaches that put him on the bench, the more they're telling you the 31 team, the 32 teams that passed on him in the first three waves of free agency. And he gets in the game and he makes plays. Right. So it's an F you every to me. time, <laughs> every time that's yeah, an F you to me. That's an F you to everyone that dissed him. That's whatever it is. Um, you know, dancing along the sidelines, stretching out, coming back, concentrating on those back shoulders, those back shoulders, not only take perfectly thrown balls from the quarterback, but they take incredible concentration from the receiver. Right. in the chemistry they have which was built in that first training camp when they were both playing with the twos, Baker's first training camp, to know where that ball is going to go and for Baker to know when he's going to turn, where he likes it, you know, what cut is his favorite. You can't replace that, right? And um, like I said, so, you know, 
I, I would not have been shocked if you'd have said that the Browns are going to score 37 points on the Bengals because the Bengals' defense is epically bad. I would not have been shocked if you would have said that Harrison Bryant with Hooper out is going to have a huge day and that Higgins is going to make plays because he does when he gets the chances. But I think they used and overused Jarvis, and that's not a criticism. It's just the guy's playing with a broken rib. They lost Odell on the very first play, and they got in a game where defense was not – it wasn't defense optional. Defense was non-existent. You had to get a first down every other play. You had to score a touchdown every time. The Bengals lost, Jason, because they settled for one field goal in the third quarter. The Browns kept pumping out touchdowns, and Higgins was a huge, huge, huge part of that. Well, Zach, the Browns may have been the team that finally breaks Carlos Dunlap once and for all after all of his (laughs) week-long shenanigans. He just posted a Twitter, 6,000-square-foot city view with huge balcony, four-bedroom, four-and-a-half bath, one of the best school districts for sale. Do your market analysis and make me an offer. Serious inquiries only with proof of funds. Owner is willing to sell furnished or unfurnished. Carlos Dunlap is begging at this point to get out of Cincinnati and for someone to buy his house. <laughs> That's what the Browns have done to the Bengals. They've officially broken them. I mean, the whole like athletes using social media for leverage or for attention or, or to say, woe is me is no longer relatively new, Jason, you know, but. That's an all-timer, right? Like that's a, that, that's a forty-five Hall of minutes after the game ends. Like, <laughs> he's not even out of the stadium yet. He just he's in his shower shoes and a towel, he's trying to get out. It's, it's not as good as fifty-one weeks ago as I stood in the Denver visitors' locker room and watched. I was just thinking that. <laughs> What's the guy? The guy's I name was is just thinking me. that. Jermaine Whitehead, Whitehead, still in his cleats, Whitehead. tweeting death threats. Yes. Still in his yep. fleets tweeting. Yep. Yes. Was that 51 weeks ago? Oh it was 51 God, weeks close. ago. Yes. Wow. <laughs> well, luckily, things have turned around and gotten much better here with the, with the Cleveland football team. Uh, you know, you're talking about Higgins. And, and I, you know, I remember saying early on when I first started hanging around this team more that, like, there was just something. He's just a – he's not fast. He's not going to run by anyone. But he's just a big target. He catches everything that's thrown to him. Mm-hmm. And and there's there's an obvious trust that Baker has with him. Listen, he trusts he trusts Jarvis Landry too. Obviously, I think Jarvis is is clearly his number one go to on this team. But there there is a trust with Higgins that I feel comfortable saying doesn't exist with anyone else in this receiving core outside of Jarvis Landry. Well, so 51 Mondays ago they cut Jermaine Whitehead. Um, five guys played safety for this team last year started games at safety and four of them are no longer on the team um you know not to to change the celebration or to dampen the celebration because you know the this was a wild game and the and the browns almost lost it about six different times and ways but they didn't but we are 9 days from the trade deadline Jason um Earl Thomas and Eric Reed remain unsigned does the front office not owe it to the coaches and to the players to do something at safety. Cause my gosh, these guys are, they're awful. They're awful. Yeah, they are awful. It, and it, it is curious. Why not just bring them in and take a look? What, what are they damaged goods? Are they defective? What do they know that we don't know? Because surely you would think that it's worth at least coming in and, and, and kicking the tires on these guys. No. And seeing if they can still play. Yeah. I mean, look, we know what's out there with Eric Reed and um, you know, frankly, 32 teams haven't brought him in. He came, he played in Carolina last year and he played relatively well, at least from what I, what I know. Um, We don't know everything that's out there with Earl Thomas. And I would just say this, 
The fact that the Ravens, who gave him $50 million just 18 months ago, were so willing to get rid of him. The fact that the Cowboys might have the worst defense in modern football history, and that's the team he wants to play for. It tells me what's out there on Earl Thomas is really, really, really bad. However, you know, the back seven of the defense was always the biggest question about this team. And it's it's just, it's gotten worse. You know, you had some guys down, you lost Delpit. That was a chain reaction. Greedy Williams hasn't played. Mac Wilson was active today. It was the first one. He had that injury back in, in you know, the middle part of August. But, you know, you're going to the playoffs. This is the situation with the Browns. They're not winning the Super Bowl. I'm not trying to poo-poo anyone's party. That's a fact. They never were. But they're in position to make the playoffs, to make a real run, and to see what happens. And frankly, with the schedule, they're in position to be like 9-3 and three the next time they play the Ravens, <laughs> right? So you have to make some moves because, frankly, however you evaluate the Bengals, which we've done a little bit, however it shakes down with your receiver situation where you are going to lose your number one, where your number 1A is playing with a broken rib, and you clearly had guys step up. One one makes the winning catch. One does what he's always done as a super sub. Like, the defense is just not good enough any way you crack it, and I think you have to go make a move. So, that gets into, you have an extra three and have an extra four. You have a lot of salary cap space. You know, I, I just, I don't know exactly what you do. I wrote about it a little bit last week. But between the linebackers and the safeties, Jason, they're going to give up 30 to almost any competent offense. Would you love to still win those games? Was today great? Sure. But you can't, in your evaluation of Baker Mayfield and in your quest to just win every week, you can't do that. It's not fair, and it's it's not getting you anywhere if you're going to consistently give up 300 yards passing and 30-some points every single week. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You know, we've talked about this off and on throughout this, that part of this is just it's the way of today's NFL. And a lot of teams are getting gashed and giving up a lot of points. So, so where's the line? And, and I'm not pretending to know. Where's the line, where's the line between 
hey, this is just the way the NFL is. And yeah, the Browns are, are weak in the back seven, but so are a lot of teams. And a lot of teams are getting gashed and giving up a ton of points. The game is built for this style of play. Where's the line between that's the reality and, oh my God, the Browns are on fire in the secondary and we have to do something. I don't mean on fire in a good yeah. way. I mean, the bodies yeah. are burning and we have to go do something. I don't know where that line is. Well, I, I really don't. I, I think it's a... I think it's a perfectly asked question. I think it's a burning question, the term you just used there. Um, I can't answer it. I don't have to. Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry and Paul DePodesta do. Um, like I said, to me, it's clearly just not good enough. It's it's no longer in the gray area, right? Um, you're seven games in, so so the scheme is there. The coaches, the coordinator know their talent and how to maximize it, and the basics are way out of the way. Right, and sometimes in the first three games they're just not there because you haven't had time and you don't get to evaluate until you get in real games and in real different situations. But Joe Burrow's great and he's going to be great. I, I, I can firmly say great and not good. But a rookie quarterback is just shredding you, um, specifically on the next to last touchdown. T. Higgins, who's a rookie, who's off to a really good start and has a chance to be a really good NFL player, but is not. Uh, by any means, the next coming of Jerry Rice just catches it over the middle and just kind of bounces off three guys all day long. Really, that last scoring drive is the only time the, the Browns even put the Bengals in second and third down, Jason. All day long, 10-yard passes, 6-yard passes, 12-yard passes, guys running wide open over the middle and then getting out to extend it to even more. And, and it's it's a recurring problem, and it's something that's that's been going on all season long. Well, to stay on that for, for one more second, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking, look how long it took Harrison to get on the field. How many weeks did after the trade before he actually made an impact? It wasn't right away. So, I mean, you got no. the bye week coming up. So if you do make a move, you know, you, that, that'll buy you a little bit of time. But e- even if you do bring someone in, whether it's Earl Thomas or you make a trade for somebody, they're not going to step in right away. You know, you're looking at, I mean, week 10, week 11, which still leaves plenty of season left. I, I get that. But I'm just saying, I don't think there's a quick fix out there where you're going to sign someone off the street and everything's okay by next Sunday. No, uh, you're going to have to you're going to have to take one of your corners and move them to safety, or you're going to have to trade for someone else's second or third corner and and move them to safety. Um, that's just how it's going to have to be. Now with COVID, the window is six days, but the Browns have one one more game, and then the trade deadline is during their bye week, so they. Sometime in the next nine days, acquire someone, training uh, or uh, trade, signing, other teams practice squad. They use this week to get him in, and then he has that acclimation period because then then you got eight games coming out. And the scheduling gods, and again, this is not to poo-poo the performance today. The scheduling gods have smiled upon the Browns because they come out of that bye week and they play the Houston Texans who are coached by Romeo Cornell at home. They play the Philadelphia Eagles. Who are trying? Who are likely to win a division with a record of five, ten, and one at home? Then they play the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are not even trying to win, and have made that clear. And might be back on the phone with Andrew Barry this week about linebackers and safeties, and really just about anything that they can get rid of. They're trying to do. Um, you know, their problem is the Jets probably aren't going to win a game at all, and they screwed up and won back in Week One somehow. But um, the table is set for you, and you got time to experiment because. More of these 37-34 type games, you can win. You know, they, they scored 40-some in Dallas. I don't even remember the final score. It was only a month ago. It feels like five months ago. They scored 32 on Indy, and that was their lowest scoring output in that stretch. Like, you can do it. 
But as the weather turns and when you get back to these big games, right, you need to do it. And frankly, you know, you drafted Grant Delpit, and, and it's disappointing because especially by now, he certainly would have been playing something, if not would have been the clear-cut starter. But he has a torn Achilles for a guy that young at the safety position. You don't know. You just don't know what his future is going to be. So this is like a long-term fix. And again, right now it's like throw a parade and huge win. And this is absolutely the kind of win that you can look back and say, wow, that really vaulted us and we really found something. Donovan Peoples-Jones might take off from here. Harrison Bryant might take off from here. But you have to also, and this is their job, take a long, hard look at what you got. And in that secondary, it's not enough. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, now now let's bring the Bengals back into this. Let's bring the fact that that it's Cincinnati because we said last week, and I agreed. You said everything they do from here on out is a yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but. And 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 so I don't I don't want to pretend that we have amnesia now and forget everything that we said last week. The, I I just read you the numbers of how much better Baker is, and you've said it all. You said it more than I have that Baker just destroys the Bengals, even though he struggled with them a little bit last year, but. He, Again, career quarterback rating against the Bengals of 111.4, 83.5 against everyone else. So let's let's talk about Baker for a second. Because I thought all this week, if Baker was hurt last week against the Steelers, which which clearly he was feeling it with the ribs, had he sat last week and not played that game, what would the conversation be around Baker Mayfield this year? Because I had written and said all year long, he's not elite, but he's putting them in a position to win and he's not turning the ball over. And then something happened against the Colts. I don't know if he was hurt more than he let on, but since he took that hit, he was not the same quarterback. And now all of a sudden, the second half today, he was terrific. Yeah, but it's the Bengals. So how do we, how are we supposed to evaluate Baker? And I don't want to make this a week after week after week thing. I, I believe with Baker, you have to evaluate him on the totality of the season and you can't make snap judgments. Having said that, how do you assess where he was last week and to where he is today and moving forward? Because you are way more upbeat now than you were a week ago. And I understand you're coming well, off the wing. I don't know. I think Everyone's you're, I think you're getting a little presumptuous there, quite frankly. How so? Well, How so? I'm just trying to say, like, right now in the moment on Sunday afternoon, enjoy the hell out of this because the Browns are going to the playoffs. Um, now, look, each of these 16 is one part of the evaluation. And it's one step closer to the final grade, right? But today he started 0-5 for the second straight game. He threw a pick on his first pass, and those are bad. He did not look confident. His only incompletion the rest of the day was a spike in the fourth quarter, bringing the team back. He steps out of the sack to start that drive. He throws back shoulders. He throws over the middle for touchdowns. I mean, the Joker makes the catch of his career. It's a great ball. The ball goes right through Darius Phillips' arms, but it's when it does that, it's right on Peoples-Jones' chest like he couldn't help but catch it, right? Like Austin Hooper, who's a really good player and makes $11 million a year, goes down on Friday with an emergency appendectomy situation, and the other two tight ends come in, one who's a rookie 
and one who still plays like a rookie, and they keep him humming. So this, to me, can be the vault, can be the confidence boost that he needed, gives him another chance to heal up. And they did acknowledge, even though the team said that the x-rays were negative, they did acknowledge on the broadcast multiple times a cracked rib. So, yes, that's an issue. But, like, last week was the hangover game. It hangs over everything they do. Five of his wins are against the Bengals. Four of his best statistical games are against the Bengals. We all saw the Cincinnati Bengals defense. It's CFL level. It's god-awful, right? But you get a chance to carry it forward. get a chance, but everything they do next week against the Raiders, in those games I talked about, until he plays the Steelers and Ravens again, until he plays a quality defense and then has the situation today, which was strangely the first time all season that he needed to make plays in the fourth quarter, his past performances are going to hang over that. I do not think Baker Mayfield is the quarterback to really win with this team. Today was a huge win. The Browns are going to playoffs. That's huge progress. I'm not poo-pooing any of that. I'm just telling you, if you think the Browns are actually going to win, win-win with him at quarterback, I don't think so. Does he have nine games and maybe more to change my mind? Sure. Does he have nine games and maybe more to change the guys who really count's mind? Sure. It's not over yet, but I don't think so. Today was positive. Today's positive vibes can go forward. He was proud of himself, and he should be. A lot of those balls were beautiful. We've seen it, Jason. We've seen it. He looked like rookie year Baker today. But my big picture evaluation doesn't change. Okay. And and I, I don't know the last time where I felt like I saw rookie Baker as much as I did in the second half yeah. today. I'm, maybe the Ravens last year, maybe the Ravens game. I, I'd have to go back and look and, and, and really think about it. But I, nothing jumps out to me last year where he had a game where I thought he looked like the second half today. And, and that's why I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like I'm poo pooing this too much because I'm not. He, you got you have to crawl before you can walk. And today he absolutely he did what he was supposed to do. And he was absolutely ripping it in the second half. And he made three or four throws today in the second half that I thought I haven't seen those in the last 25 games. I don't know where they've been, but I haven't seen them in the last 25 games. But before I get too carried away, I go back and say it's the Bengals. How can you not? How can you not? How can you not put it all in that box of he, now he has to do it against somebody besides Cincinnati? Now if he has this game next week against Oakland, now you have my full attention. Yeah, yeah, no, it's about stacking them together, Jason. Like this is such a week to week world, right? And I said before the Steelers game, hey, this is great. The Browns have won four straight. Like next week, we're probably going to be talking about Baker, right? Like we were now they win they're five and two. Like you don't have to dwell on it, but I'm just telling you when I say it doesn't just hang over him, the quarterback decision hangs over everything because until you have that guy, you can't think about winning the big prizes. The Browns are in position where they're making little progress. We've seen, they have two superstars on defense, miles Garrett, flat out superstar Denzel Ward, flat out superstar, right? Yep. They need a few more, but they're, they're building this like Nick Chubbs on the sideline. Wyatt tellers on the sideline. Odell probably going to be on the sideline. Like, opportunity abounds, and it's not November until next week. Like, talk about the rookie year. Well, not only did he do it in the back half of his rookie year, but can you name one thing from the first half of his rookie year? No, you always remember the late season games, right? That's what that's what you're judged on. That's what you always remember. So we'll see. I, like I said, it's, it's not fair, and people want to make everything an argument, and that, to me, speaks – not only to the nature of social media, but just the 30 years of this franchise not having a quarterback, Jason, they're making incremental progress. But you cannot crown 
Baker based on today. Just like you can't kill him on one game. There's nine pieces left to this evaluation, and he has every chance, specifically now, without Odell, you know, we presume anyway, to go out and prove that, that, that he can do it. You know, we, we saw last year what a flawed team this was, right? Like for all the preseason expectations, we saw throughout the season what a flawed team it was. And they went out and they addressed so many of those of those needs in the offseason. Jack Conklin drafting a left tackle, uh, signing Austin Hooper. They, they, they filled all of their needs on the offensive side. But this is still a team that is not that far removed from 1-31. and 31. There are still holes. And, and I just expect the, the, the front office in this, this franchise to really go after defense this offseason. This is just this is a team that you, you couldn't fix everything in one offseason. They fixed everything off offensively. This team is going to the playoffs. They are making progress. They are going to be a postseason team unless all hell breaks loose right. for the first time in a really, really long time. That's good enough for right now. That's good enough for me. And now this offseason, address the back seven that we keep talking about, draft a defensive back, draft a safety or cornerback, get some big, fast linebackers who run around the field and take people's heads off as much as you're allowed to in today's NFL. And, and, and keep continue to build on where they are. So as we talk about this team needs help in the secondary, I totally agree. I totally agree. But it, it's just a situation that, as you said, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. You're not going to fix everything uh, in, in one offseason, in one, in one trade. But I like the direction of where it's going. I like the progress that we've seen. And I cannot believe we finally get to say the Browns are going to the playoffs because no. the Browns are going to the playoffs. Very well said. And, and this can be my closing thought because we're, we will get to the, to the point of talking in circles. You know, what you said is right. This, this team is just getting to the point where when you make those big decisions, you know, when you're in position to say we're one player away here, we're not one player away here, we, we weren't one game away, we were this, we weren't that. Like just winning enough to know you get to keep the guys, that's how you make the progress. Right. Like then the same guys get to make the decisions and they get to evaluate themselves and they say, hey, we intentionally didn't address linebacker. We intentionally liked we did this position and it worked. We thought we addressed this position and we didn't. And then you come back in the same systems, the same schemes, the same guys doing the drafting, the same scouts working for those guys talking to the defensive coordinator, saying, we don't have a warm body at safety. Go find me one that can play this yeah. defense. Go find yeah. me a slot corner that can cover T. Higgins, right? And then you fill in the roster, right? So, yeah, you're right. You have to be pleased as hell with where this team is because you are in this league what your record says you are. And the Browns are 5-2. and two, And three different times today I thought they were beat. And we all thought the narrative was going in one direction. I didn't – honestly – I didn't even think about Odell being out for most of the game because I thought, oh, my God, they're going to lose. All that momentum is gone, and it's all going to be on the quarterback. Well, for at least one week, right, he pushed that off. They found a way to win. Guys stepped up, and you're in position to make the playoffs, which means you're in position for the guys to stay, which means you're in position to say, we've accomplished something. Now here is a clear and full evaluation of how we get there to those next steps. I was going to say, you mentioned this earlier. Are they going to be favored in every game the rest of the way? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I, I haven't seen the Raiders today. I know they're losing. Coming across the country, I would imagine they're a small favorite next week. Then they play three terrible teams in a row before they go to Tennessee. So, 
yeah, they'll have a ch- whether they're six and two or five and three, and both of them are phenomenal given where they've been. They'll be favored in the next three games, two of which are at home against really bad teams, and have a chance to really get this thing going. Good enough. Yep. All right, guys. This is Jason. I'm Zach. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon on Civilized Life.